We are at a time that organizations are changing and leadership is changing from a command control environment. Brent and Laura discussed the changing landscape of how leaders lead and how times are changing. Brent, what else did you talk about in this episode? Ruth, we talked about how accountability is just as important as communication and leadership. The leader has to be accountable to their team. Thanks, Brent. I will add that in this episode, leaders can learn more about how a culture of trust is one of the most important aspects in today's work culture. Business leaders may think that all the recent layoffs are giving them opportunities for more hires, but the truth is that we are still seeing historic low employment. Now enjoy this episode of Top Commerce with Laura Boyd. Top Commerce is brought to you by Content Basis. Have you tried machine learning programs only to find they give you repetitive garbage or worse, information irrelevant to the context of what you asked for? Do you know if the content that you're using on your website is even performing? Content Basis exists to analyze, create, and measure the content that is crucial for your product or service. Content Basis analyzes your website analytics to learn what is performing well and what is not. We dig into your search history to discover what keywords people are using to find your product and services, and what keywords people are using to find your competitors' products and services. We create a content plan to help you deliver content that wraps around your most vital products and services. And then we track the performance of this content, reassess it and make it better. Go to contentbasis.io to learn more. The open beta program is available to new users. Go to contentbasis.io. TalkCommerce is sponsored by Haifa, or as the Europeans say, Hufa, or the right way to say it, Hufa is rapidly becoming the biggest Magento front end after Luma. For those who don't know it, Luma is the basic theme that comes with Magento and it is giantly slow. If you're looking for a template based front end with the fastest loading times in the e-commerce industry while saving costs on development time and hosting infrastructure, Hufa is your best option. Everybody loves a fast site, including Google. Improve your Google ranking and conversion rates and make your customers happy. Learn more at hyva.io. That's hyva.io. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to Talk Commerce. Today I have Laura Boyd. She is the CEO and founder of Leadership Delta. Laura, go ahead and give us a better introduction that I just gave and maybe one of your passions in life. Excellent. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate it. And I do have to say, Brent is my brother's name, so it should be easy for me to remember. So yes, my name is Laura Boyd, and I can give you a quick background. I have been in sales and marketing basically my whole career. Seven years ago, walked out and was trying to figure out what am I going to be when I grow up. And what I realized is I have a really strong passion for growing organizations through leadership. And I am a strong believer in the fact that leaders make a difference in the organization and the culture. And so I wanted to build an organization for myself that could help other organizations thrive in a human-centered culture that would help them grow from the inside out. So that's what we've been doing. 
Perfect. And one of you, you have a passion that you follow? Oh, or gosh. Do? When you own your own business, do you have time for passions? I don't know. The only thing I could think of is I love working out. And now I have a new empty nester. And so pickleball has become quite a phenomenon in, in with my husband and I. So I guess I'd say that's my passion. I don't know. That. No, that's great. Yeah, pickleball. I, uh, I tried it a couple of years ago, and it was super fun. I haven't in, I haven't embraced it specifically, but I do enjoy playing pickleball. Laura, I know that we, in our green room, we had a quick talk about participating in the free joke project, so I'm just going to tell you a joke. This one is, it's, we're not going to, we're, we're going to do this one as a, is this going to help our work culture, or is this going to lead into a worse work culture? And I found a specific joke just for this, so here we go. Excellent. I phoned my work this morning and said, Sorry, boss, I can't come in today. I have a wee cough. He said, You have a wee cough? Me. Really? Thanks, boss. See you next week. Oh, Brent. I'm, trying yeah. to, I'm going to say this one, it might hinder the culture. I think it <laughs> yeah. might hinder it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I feel like we free. need. Yeah, I think you're right, and, I, and my my delivery wasn't the greatest, and and I think we could have used some kind of dramatic music around that one as well. <laughs> Maybe next time. Next yeah. time, the dramatic music. I agree. All right, so let's. I know today we want to talk about a little bit about work culture and some topics around around that. Why don't you tell us your story? Give us a little intro on your story mm -hmm. and why this has become such a passion for you. Thank you. This has become a passion for me because. I think that we are in this transition of organizations leading from a command and control environment. And I work with a lot of manufacturers, so I think that is how they have raised the generation of leaders that are there currently. It's been very much a command and control type of scenario. Not negative or positive, but that's just how it has been. But yet, we have raised the next generations coming up in a different, a transformational or more of a high performing type of generation. So you've got leaders within organizations that have grown up in this command and control, and then you've got the new generation of leaders that are coming in from a high performing transformation type of background and how they were raised, and there's a clash. And so it's really interesting because you'll have some people in this current leadership who will call me and they'll say, hey, Laura, we have a problem with Bob. Do you think you can come fix Bob? And I love that because we all know it's never just, usually I should say, not never, but usually it's not just Bob. It usually is the culture that has exuded and now there's this clash. And so they don't know how quite to deal with some of the consequences of bad behavior or desired behavior. And so they build these cultures and they say, these are our values. These are the great things that we have in our organization. Oh, except for Bob. And so they don't know how to reframe Bob and redirect him or say, this is not our desired culture anymore. And so you're no longer the right fit. Now we can use it in a different capacity maybe, but not to lead other people. So that's what we're in is this transit. I got my master's in organizational leadership in the late 90s. So I was like one of the first classes to get the organizational leadership bandwagon. 
And I love it because I think leadership hasn't really changed that much, to be honest. And you could go back to, from my personal idea, is you can go back biblically, right? All the way back. And it hasn't really changed that much if you look at it. And so that was something that I was very passionate about is how do you connect that human-centered leadership to move this transitional generation from here to here? That was a really long answer, but that is exactly what I love doing. So I have two follow-ups on that. The first one is, do you think that there's, there's got to be some kind of a transformation in leading and how we lead leaders, right? That new leaders are going to be more in tune with what millennials, the people that are signing up for the great resignation, the new leaders are going to be more in tune to that. Do you think there's a, there's going to be a, is there an issue with how the old guard is now bringing in the new leaders and how those new leaders are seeing what should be done, and but they're not, the original aren't on board with that, or do you think there's a disparity in there? I think yeah, this ahead. is the question. Okay. So here's one thing I will say. So just because somebody has, I think you had said the old guard, but I think more the command and control type of leaders, many of them are shifting. So that transformation is happening, but there are still some that aren't. And I think those are some of the leaders that the culture is trying to figure out how do we change this person, not possible, or how do we get this person out? And so there are some transformational leaders within the current leader structure. And so I don't know if that, if I answered that question the right way. Is that what you're asking me, Brent, or is there a follow-up yeah, question Yeah, I mean, that? I think a lot of times we look at how we're leading and we look at the people where we are leading and that we don't, we discount the person who's the leader because they're, maybe they're not in tune with the, I don't know, the hierarchy of how the organization should happen. But I think the underlying thing that I heard in your, in what you said earlier was they're not matching our culture. And either the culture changed or somebody hired him not to match the culture. I think that's probably more of a root cause in that. And how would you say to leaders that have that problem, and is it a new problem or is it something recurring? So I do think that every generation you're going to have a transformation or a transition. Technology today, as we all know, it transitions cultures and it transitions organizations. I do think that people forget about the culture when they are hiring. And especially today because we need people. And so sometimes we forgo, ah, they don't really fit, but close enough. And so then we hire them and they don't fit at all. And then they end up leaving. And they're like, oh, why did they leave? I don't understand. I do think that it is something that happens on a cyclical basis. I do think that cultures do change and the leaders have to change with it. And some of those leaders are able to do it and some of them aren't. One of the things I do want to bring up is that I'm talking more about the current leaders, titled leaders, right? I think everybody can be a leader, but the titled leaders, I'm talking more about them. And we often say it's because they've always done it this way. They don't want to change all of those kinds of things that I think part of the challenge is this next generation of leaders doesn't give grace. They're not very open to hearing this is how we've done things. So there's a little bit of a clash because we've raised them to push the envelope, do this, do that, be perfect, 
focus on one thing, go after it, whatever you want is yours. And a lot of times they don't give enough grace, I think, to the current titled leaders. And that is a challenge too. And they have to know that too. So. Yeah, I know that's a really good point on that. Maybe new leadership isn't listening enough or it doesn't have the concerns of the higher, I don't know how to describe them, but the ones that are running higher ups are setting the tone and there's a shift, but maybe we need to have a more of a conciliatory view on how that shift is happening, right? Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I do call them titled leaders because I think you can be a leader wherever you're at. It doesn't matter where you're at in the organization, but these are the titled leaders. And so, I, but I agree. Just as much as the titled leaders need to have compassion, the next generation of leaders need to have compassion. How and do I you think help? We forget about that. Sorry. Yeah, how, do you, no, how do you help people describe their culture? I think a lot of times the leader can't even describe their culture. How do you get that into everybody? Everybody is on the same page in terms of culture. Yeah, so we actually, it's interesting because when you have worked at an organization, let's say 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, and you're at this titled leader position, you see the culture differently than maybe somebody that comes in at more of a entry level position. And so what we do is we talk about it. If, the more you can talk about culture and the more you can talk about desired behaviors being part of that culture, the openness to doing it isn't going to make it be a taboo subject. If I continue to talk about culture, and the, I'm working with an organization, we talk about the culture of accountability and leadership, because accountability, I swear, that comes up number one right next to communication as a challenge for organizations. And so this one organization I'm working with, we talk about culture of accountability and leadership. What does that mean to you? And so what we've done is we've taken, we're at about 450 employees from the leadership team all the way through frontline supervisors. And we've had that same conversation because we're trying to create that it's not a taboo subject. Let's talk about it. It's just culture. What is it that we want it to look like? How do we want to treat each other? What are our guiding principles? And so the more we can talk about it, the less taboo it feels and seems. And, sorry Brent, one more oh. thing, is there has to be consequences for people that are outside of a desired behavior. There has to be consequences. Doesn't mean it's a determination, but something. Otherwise it's not gonna matter. This particular organization, somebody came in and blew a gasket to five of his team members and in an appropriate way, and he actually was terminated. And so that's no longer how they wanted to operate in their culture. Now, may it have it maybe had worked 15 years ago? Maybe, but not today. Let's just say the leader doesn't is talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. How do you get some accountability in leadership if they're saying to be this way, but the leaders are demonstrating something different in a culture? Is that just that is that just straight up toxic and it's going to lead to ruin? No, I don't think it's going to lead to ruin. I do think this is why I think outside consultants or facilitators where there really isn't any, what's the word I'm looking for, not fear, but where it gives me the opportunity to say, is that really what you wanted to say? And I will call people on things in an appropriate manner, but I don't have any skin in the game. 
So it's easy enough for me to do, and that's when we work with the leadership teams throughout the process as we're going from top down across all of that, but working with that leadership team because it has to start at the top. This is where the decisions get made at the titled leadership. But you have these centers of influence within it. So you've got to figure out who are those people that are influencing either toxic or positive or so you have to kind of figure out from a social architect standpoint what that looks like too. So yes, I think it's having those open conversations. I think it's about the leadership team calling each other on things and I am seeing that is happening. And I think we've got a great group of current titled leaders. I think we've got a handful that aren't amazing, but it really takes each person individually. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We implemented EOS about five, six years ago, and having an implementer there was key to the success Mm -hmm. because nobody could push or nobody could. It's easy for a leader to not be accountable to something that they don't want to be accountable to because they're the top of the food chain. It's easy for that. If you're talking about the culture, how do you not, how do you focus on the culture rather than focus on control of the culture? Tell me more what you mean by that. So you want to make sure that you're watching the culture, but you also don't want to focus too much on control of the culture because the culture should be something that's built grassroots, right? Ideally, your culture would come from the bottom up and the top down. Is it a problem if leadership is trying to exert too much control over the culture and then in turn pushes a bunch of people out? And that's how you'll know that leadership is trying to control it too much if people are leaving. I do believe, though, when you look at high-performing organizations, there are five areas in the middle that they have direct control over. And the leadership team and the senior managers and that group, they actually own the strategy and the culture. It doesn't mean that nobody has input and collaboration and all of that, but they own the strategy and the culture. That is what they're responsible for. The rest of the organization focuses on the structure, the systems, and the processes. And what they do is they bring that to the leaders and they allow them to make the choices. So they say, this isn't working, this is working. Here's how it's that kind of up and down, exactly what you said. But really the ownership for the strategy and the culture belong within the leadership teams. Just going back to EOS, and EOS, for the people who don't know, is entrepreneurial operating system. So it's a way of running your business or a systematic way. One of the, it's a systematic way, and it is based on hiring people for their core values. And one thing that we do every quarter is working, isn't working. And I think one thing that maybe we miss out on, and I heard you say this earlier, was how does that not working tie in with the culture of the company And then taking that one step further, how does it tie in with the core values? How do you help companies make sure that isn't working ties in with culture, which should tie in to your core values? For one thing, and I know EOS has this too, I'm a firm believer that the entire strategy and the values and everything should be on one page. Like there's a focus area. This is how we do things. These are our guiding principles, right? And so I think if everybody has access to that and it's communicated and there's alignment and what that looks like, it's easier to call someone out on something. If there is alignment, it's been communicated, 
then if you don't really know or, hey, I heard this is what our strategy is or our culture is, um, but if you don't have that and you're not actually communicating it and have that alignment, it doesn't matter. So I think a leader's role is really to set the vision, right? This is where we're going. Build the alignment and then the execution. So those are the three pieces. And again, when I say leader, it could be anybody within the organization. But when we're talking about vision, alignment, and execution, those are the three core pieces of top-level leaders that need to address that. And again, I think it's mostly, Brent, it's consequential challenges that people don't want to deal with because so many people don't like conflict. And so they don't, they just like, you know, what if I just ignore it? It'll just go away. <laughs> or they're going to retire in a couple of years anyway. We've all heard this. So it, it's that, and I know EOS has the same thing too. Let's fix it right now. And if this is not the get it, want it capacity to have it, right? If this is not the right person in the right seat, then let's find a different seat for this person. They're very valuable, but maybe not today and where we need them to be. Maybe they were 15 years ago in this position, but not today. We need their expertise to help us build this technical platform or whatever, to write out what the process is or whatever the situation is. If a leader is struggling with a culture of trust, and you'd mentioned accountability and communication, how is there some simple steps that a leader could or leadership team could start to assess that trust factor and then start working on building that trust? Yeah, the, it, it, that's a great question. And because trust is the foundation of everything. Every relationship you have is the confidence. Trust is really, that's the definition, right? Trust is my perception. Trust is the confidence you have in your relationship with others. That's what trust is. The confidence I have in my relationship with you to do X or to do Y. And to break it down even further, when you talk about trust, it really has to start with me. I need to give trust first as a leader. I have to be trustworthy. And when you talk about trustworthiness, a lot of that comes from vulnerability. Right? And I think that's part of our challenge as leaders is I know how we grew up. It was you don't make a mistake. And you just work 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week until it gets done. That's not what we're dealing with today. And so we have to have that opportunity to be trusting in our virtual environment. There's a lot of trust that has to be given. Like I know that this person is working because I trust that person. And so I think the trust has to be given first and you have to be trustworthy. And I look at trust as in three areas. One is competence. Can they do the job? And two is compassion. Do they have compassion for themselves and others and giving grace and that type of thing? Competence, compassion, and integrity, right? Do you do what you say you're going to do? And then you have this emotional bank account component of it too. The more you can fill someone's cup or fill up the emotional bank account, the more likely you can make a mistake and it's going to roll right off. But if you're in a negative deficit and you make a mistake or you do something wrong, it's hard to build that trust back up. And when you talk about emotional bank account, we work on this. It's just saying, 
Brent, thank you so much for a job well done. Or Brent, I really appreciate your expertise. Or Brent, I appreciate you giving me a hand when I needed it. Whatever it is, it's those small things. It doesn't have to be this grandiose, here's your million dollars, Brent, for compensation. It could just be small things that add up. And so that communication part of it, you mentioned the company with 400 employees. The leadership team can't possibly talk to every single one of those employees, or they could, I suppose. It would take some time. Is there methods in which that, or maybe you start with a one-on-one and then you move into a more scaled version of that. Is there ways to help leadership communicate some of those things to get feedback from their team? I do think that it is important for them to have access to the leadership team, people, to have access to them. Now, this one-on-one gets a little tricky because it's just time. Time is of the essence, right? So I think when you do the connectivity, it could just be a town hall meeting. It could be that opportunity where I'm going to, there's three of us this month or this quarter or whatever, we're going to do a town hall meeting. Put your, send your questions in, that's an option. Another one is when we go throughout the organization and build out the leadership development series, we have different leaders come in and do the introduction. So when they're talking, when they're in front of the hundreds of people that are going through the program, they're doing the introduction, they're connecting with everybody at that level. I think that it is a challenge and an opportunity for the leadership team to look at focusing on the business, not in the business. And so when I say that, so many of our leaders tend to be technical experts, and that's what they enjoy doing. So they like to just stay heads down instead of, that's not your role anymore. Your role has shifted where you need to be thinking about the organization as a whole and not just your area. So that's a shift for some leaders also. But that I do think that there's a lot of opportunity. And technology today has allowed for really nice connectivity and really bad connectivity, too. Because you can take everything out of context and you put your own story, thought, or meaning behind something. And it could blow up. And that's, oh, that's not even what I meant. Technology is good and bad, as always. Kurt Vonnegut talks about that in his books in the 50s. But anyway, don't get me started on that. You mentioned a little bit about the retention and how we need to be attentive to the cultural needs. If there's a high turnover, how do you get the new people involved in culture? So if there is a high turnover, that's a data point. So that is something where I think immediately some sort of focus group pulling out different people to have that conversation and finding out what is it. If we've got this culture laid out on our wall, yet we're not living by it, we need to figure out what's the gap. So what is it that we're doing well and what is it that we're not doing, right? So we talk a lot about what do you want us to stop doing, what do you want us to start doing, and what do you want us to continue to do? That's a thousand years ago people have been talking about that. But it's that ha- that's it's actually having that conversation. You'll learn so much from the team members. But again, I think you need an outside person to come in and do it because I think if you've got somebody from the inside and you've lost all these people, there's a little bit of fear paradigm they might be living in. I don't know if I want to share that. So it's it- easier to have somebody from the outside come in. Sorry, Brent. No, it's okay. Is there an easy way in an extra interview to get a leaving employee to talk about some of those what's not working? Uh, So here's how I think that most people see exit interviews. 
most people, some people will share without a, a challenge, but don't burn bridges. How often have we heard that? Don't burn your bridges. Okay, so if that's sitting in the back of your head, are you going to be truthful in what you want to share? I don't know. And quite honestly, the exit interview is passe. We need to get in front of these people before they get to an exit interview, before they terminate and get to an exit interview. We need to get to connect with them ahead of time. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, getting it before they quit. Is there something in the great resignation that has changed so much that maybe leaders aren't understanding that? Uh, I think the great resignation, from everything I've read, I know that there are a lot of different opinions on it. I think the great resignation was a time when people reevaluated their life and what they wanted to be doing. And so a lot of times it wasn't necessarily about the culture of the organization, but perhaps more about the role or that they wanted to do something different with their lives. Or they decided, I'm done. I'm retiring. We got enough money. This is how I want to live. I'm good. I don't want to work anymore. It's too stressful, whatever the scenario is. I think people got the opportunity to take a step back and look at their lives and their lives. So that's my take on it from everything I've read. I think that's a really good point. I think that some leaders have now taken the opportunity as an excuse for high turnover and they just point to that the industry standard is now whatever it is, 60% turnover, some crazy high number. But I do feel as though there's a place that we can find common ground as, we, as you started out with. We can find common ground with the whole team to work, build a culture that do you think that we have to start shifting i guess we if everybody's leaving there has to be <laughs> there has to be a shift in culture and if your attrition rate is so high that it's affecting productivity because i think also that productivity and retention are the two highest things that can lead to profitability having some focus on that is going to be one of the most important things a leadership team should examine. How would you say that you get feedback from the team? And also you mentioned the, in, it's too late in the exit interview, anonymizing some of these things. So the old idea of having a little, little thing next to the time clock where people can put in their anonymous feedback, is that yeah. a good idea? I go back and forth on that because I would hope that people are in a culture where they can have those conversations and that's what i would say most people would want to get to i think this generation of leaders that's coming up that is going to be something that's important to them and they're going to build cultures out like that i just think of my own kids who are in college and i just i think they have such a different mindset that it will get to that point where they're just speaking truth right they're just speaking but it's about the delivery which goes back to the emotional intelligence it's about delivery. So we want this open conversation, but you don't have to be an ass, if I can say that on the air. <laughs> you just don't have to be that way. It's about being curious. It's about having connection. So I think that hopefully we'll move to that point where we're having more conversations and more open conversations where there isn't that fear paradigm that we're necessarily living in. All right, we're running out of time, but one last question. It, I know 
Back, going back to EOS as a people analyzer, it would be great to have a culture analyzer tool. Do you know of anything like that to say, so you could somebody could objectively, this isn't working, how can we apply each of our core values to that not working, and run it through the tool and come back with a number? <laughs> yeah, Wouldn't that be great? There's, there's a, an analyzer and assessment for everything, Brent. You know that to be true. So there's one that I think it's a University of Michigan, I want to say, is working... There's an Ohio. Anyway, sorry. But they're working on a cultural assessment. There are a lot of them out there. Actually, when I started the business seven years ago, I was thinking of going down this path with an organization that that's what they did was cultural assessments. So they've been out there. I think the challenge that I have with that is that leadership component needs to be there. If you don't have buy-in, because I'm this believer, like, you have to have awareness of something. Like, our culture is not working. Or what we have on the wall is not what we're seeing here. So you have to have that awareness. And then you have to have the desire to change it. So if the leaders don't have a desire to change, it doesn't matter what kind of assessment comes back. But you have to have the desire to change it. And then the commitment. What does that look like? So is it bringing people in, having focus groups, it's not just the pinball machines anymore. It's really about what's true about the culture, and that's the commitment, and then practicing and failing. So it's really pretty easy, though. Pretty easy, I say that. Those four steps, awareness, desire, commitment, and practicing it. That's very good. Laura, as I close out the podcast, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. What would you like to plug today? We have at the at the beginning of every year, but it's our Fresh Start program, and it is just a micro version of you can sign up, and it's yours. It's videos. It's holding you on track. That's something to consider, and you can go to leadershipdelta.com, and it's right there is the opportunity to sign up for that. Great, and I will put all those in the show notes. Laura, this has been a very fun conversation, should I say? Enlightening is a good word. Fun and enlightening. How's that? I like it. Very enjoyable to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brent. Take care. Listen, Brent works hard on this podcast. He would really appreciate it if you could rate it wherever you download your podcast. Don't forget to go to contentbasis.io and sign up for the Content Creator Beta Program. It is a great opportunity. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.